episode 179, Healthcare Workers Mental Health. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we hear Dr. Simon Malte perspective. You're joining award-winning podcast host and best-selling author, Dr. Justin Trosclair, as we go behind the curtain and talk to doctors and experts about their specialty, marketing, and home life balance. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Welcome back to the show. I got some big news coming up soon, but for now, just know this is my last hoorah in Germany. By the end of the year, I will be out. It's been a good two years, especially during all the coronavirus and restrictions that we've had versus other places. I feel like we were in a really good place. Yeah, we got to wear a mask all the time at this point, whatever. But uh, you know, we were able to take our kids to a lot of parks and things started opening up and then they closed and they'd open again. So overall, you know, it's been really good. And the reason I'm talking about this is because the clinic I'm working at, we still grew. We still treated a lot of patients. We did the safety measures as you're supposed to. And today's episode will be about the mental health of uh, healthcare workers by a heart surgeon. Before I go into that anymore, the logo and color scheme has been updated. So I'm excited to show it to you. We got that deep red, a lighter shade of green. And uh, I did a rebrand for my personal, for my chiropractic, for the media when I do the one sheets and CV revisions. So redid the logo for that. Let me know what you think. And then while I was doing it, I was like, yeah, you know what? Might as well do the podcast logo. Maybe some people didn't like the reverse perspective, but anyway, now it's changed. Hope you like it. If you're looking for one sheets, if you're looking for all the books that people have recommended, all the series that we've done that's specific to like marketing or uh, rehab, you can just go to a doctorsperspective.net slash guide and all the links are there even all the affiliate things and the products that I recommend. So go check it out if you can. Support the show that way. Buy a t-shirt, whatever. Finally get to do a little vacation. Sordini, Italy, an island. Ooh, so that'll be fun. I think you can like play in the water and uh, take some boat rides and just see some caves and some hiking. Mm, Should be a good, good, good time. So what are y'all doing? Where have you been in 2021? Let me know in all the social media, which is on the top right of the website. You can click that. So again, we're going to talk today about with a cardiac surgeon discussing mental health when you're on call all the time during the COVID pandemic and you're missing family events and you got to cancel vacations and you're tired and maybe you're making some mistakes. Maybe you're not, but statistically, you're more likely to if you're exhausted and you don't get a break to recharge. So I want to discuss all of that, what we can do about it. He wrote a book. He wrote a book called Healthcare Anonymous. It'll have a workbook and an action plan and all those things. So we'll talk about that today. The transcript and the show notes can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 179. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from Germany in Malibu, California. Today, we have a cardiac surgeon and who's also the author of Healthcare Anonymous. It's learning how to put yourself first while pursuing a calling. And he does a lot of advocating for healthcare workers' mental and physical health. Just so you know, he's board certified from Canada. He was a previous vice chair of the Mayo Clinic. He has a doctorate degree in biomedical engineering and heart regeneration. He uh, is a leader in heart transplantation, mechanical heart devices, and a bunch of other cardiac stuff. Uh, published about 160 papers, articles. I don't know how you do that. That's a lot. Um, <laughs> he doesn't even look old. And uh, <laughs> But I think right now his biggest p- passion right now is uh, formulating a community so we can talk about identifying, preventing, and being active about unhealthy behaviors, addictions, and other mental health issues that we have as doctors and healthcare workers like depression, burnout, and anxiety. Did I cover everything here, Dr. Simon Malte? <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Justin. No, it's great. Uh, I, it makes me tired just hearing about it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my accolades are out there again. 
<laughs> exactly. Uh, I wrote all that stuff. And <laughs> no, it's important though. You know, sometimes you got to get some credibility. You're like, all right, who's this guy? What's he? Who is he to say that we should have this stuff? And I would think, um, with the the way everybody talks about like, oh, I got health problems and it's always about blood pressure. It's always about, you know, strokes and how to prevent heart disease. It's something that as a society, I don't know if we're, I don't know, you could tell us over-focused or overly medicated, but at the same time as a patient, it's super important. What kind of brought you into like a cardiac side and then the quick summary into, you know, morphing into like, I got to do something out there for other doctors that I see struggling. That kind of was the backstory. Right. Uh, well, heart disease has always been a very challenging topic, you know, and even through training, one of the really the things that really attracted me to the business was was the uh, physiology of heart disease and then the complexity of the need for a very finite technical abilities to do the operation. And so this combination is a very, is, so it was very appealing to me. And then the patient's also a very rewarding afterwards. You know, they get better, they feel better very quickly after heart surgery. So to me, that was a great appeal. So it combined my, uh, you know, my interest for the heart conditions in general, but also my sort of need to, to get reward or gratification or sort of this feeling that I'm helping others. And then over the last two years, it's, as you know, it's been a difficult year, you know, with, with the pandemic and then uh, seeing myself and other colleagues, whether it's healthcare workers or heart surgeons or even people or other people working in a hospital setting, going through things, it appeared to me that uh, I needed to speak up about it. And then so I just started to write about what I call in the book healthcare disease. Healthcare disease is a new term. It's not something you hear really because, you know, the system that heals you sort of makes people sick. But but it is an environment that I think are we're working in that makes things very difficult just because of the culture, because of the tragedies, because of the suffering of people. And a lot of us are unfortunately not equipped to, to deal with that most of the times. We think we are, but we're mm-hmm. not. And then eventually, you know, we, we develop some of these conditions that you mentioned, whether it's anxiety or depression or and then we feel it's an acute moment, you know, you're, where you sort of get to a point where you just can't feel it anymore. Whether, I, in my opinion, and that's all the whole point of the book, is it's a chronic problem that finally manifests itself through through symptoms. So, so that's that. It, it was more of a calling, a need to sort of create a movement and to help to help maybe others with personal stories sharing. So I'll just jump off real quick with, I guess, the Corona stuff where it's kind of hitting the rounds where. You know, last year, there's nothing you can do about it. You're the hero. And this year, you're being forced to work. And then now it's like, eh, if you don't get vaccinated for whatever reason, eh, you can lose your job, which, I mean, that's got to be really stressful to be in that situation. You know, as a chiropractor, you know, we, we did our measures. We, we could separate our schedules and all this kind of stuff. But uh, it's a little bit different in a hospital where you're required to see these types of people. Yeah. And you feel, feel a bit left out. If I would have to maybe put a... You feel like you're bounced around between either politics or the, you know, the uh, the culture of the day, and for and for a physician and or you know nurses and people working in this environment for two years day in day out, having their vacation canceled, and and we feel a bit left out. I mean, that would be that or lonely, you know. And um, you know, I'm not, and this is not a debate of a vaccine and no vaccine, but there's policies that have to be implemented, but. Uh, but having to go to work and sort of go through a crowd of angry, non-vaccinated people or, or having vacations removed, uh, it, 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 you know, it hits a spot, mm-hmm. right? When you feel like you, you've been, you know, 
my one of my previous mentors always said, you know, there's only one letter difference between hero and zero, right? And and you certainly feel that sometimes you go from from being called a hero to to perhaps being used in in uh, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And it, the consequences of that is, I think, from a personal standpoint, it affects your family, it affects your your finances, it affects your mental health. And and that's actually, I think, the ultimate price that this society will pay in the long run from this. Do you feel like there's a lot of the patients you see are going to be different than just a general practitioner and things, but is there just a lack of proper diagnosis going on? Like somebody comes in and the first thing is, do you have corona? And you're like, I'm bleeding. Like I went to the hospital for a reason. I was bleeding. And the first thing they were worried about was my corona status. And I'm like, dude, I'm literally bleeding. I need help. <laughs> right. Uh, there's things being missed. There's a lot of things we don't understand. I mean, in heart surgery alone, we're seeing an increase in what we call the observed to predicted mortality. You know, we typically know what the mortality will be for a certain type of operation. Mm-hmm. During the COVID pandemic, and that's published data, we have seen that people are, are dying more from just the same operation. And that's because there's delayed presentation. There's things we don't know about COVID. Uh, or as you said earlier, there's misdiagnosis. People have been treated for COVID or, or pneumonia associated with COVID for a number of weeks. And then all of a sudden, we realize, well, maybe the heart's the problem. So, uh, so then we look into that, and that's been two or three weeks of, of that going on. So it has really kind of exploded the system a bit, for lack of better words. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's sort of trying to make the best out of it and and try to basically just survive, really, <laughs> you know. And at least for my patients, I feel whether it's um, United States or in North in Canada where I practice as well, it's it's constant delays, right? We don't have ICU beds, we don't have we don't have the capability to do just regular heart surgery, and the wait lists are increasing, so people are coming sicker. Okay, so we're really seeing these side effects, if you will, the unintended consequences of of COVID, where some people are just like ah, this, they're not even full; those beds aren't full, the hospitals aren't full. It's like Okay, but they are full, the, the wings they gave, and it backs up everything else. There's a backlog of, like you said, all this other stuff, and then delayed diagnosis sometimes. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think the, the paper, people are sicker, so therefore they stay longer in the hospital. And what you were saying about the impact of these sort of massive departures from you know, staff from the COVID vaccine, mm-hmm. it directly impacts patient care and how they're being treated in the hospital for sure. So let's, uh, I guess, it's kind of hard not to talk about COVID with the burnout and everything because it's so much more stressful, but we work in high intensity environments. You have their life on their line. How is this delivering of care? Is it affecting it in a positive or negative way? I mean, are our best medical people maybe not working at the best that they could because of the overwhelm that they're experiencing? Well, it certainly feels like, uh, I know know the word call schedule, right? When you're on call, you're constantly in the hospital. You sort of take the calls. You're tired. You're hungry. You're lonely. You're, you know, sort of always in a sort of a stress sort of system. We all, we feel a bit on hype, you know, for the last couple of years where you're like being on call all the Mm -hmm. time and you're constantly tired. The hours are long. The, and then, you know, that's published data as well. You know, whenever you're, you're in those state of mind, it does lead to mistakes. Where I think that hits the spot is the culture of healthcare, whether you're a doctor or a nurse, everyone wants to do what's best for the patient, mm-hmm. right? We're all perfectionists to some degree and not being able to be fully delivering our, the highest level of care 
or or even or even making mistakes that we didn't intend to has a great impact on on our mental health i think and for for some people it, it will be receiving a complaint from a patient for some it will be sort of facing death you know two deaths in the same week but it it will it, it does add up and leads to sort of significant consequences people changing job people leaving their job people uh, you know sort of having depression issues and and then you're sort of now faced with a with a health worker or the workforce that is gone from the, from the system for six months and um, and has to heal from that. So so it has a direct impact on on the delivery of care. And and while we we see this as maybe a island, right, where someone if somebody has a depression or an event or you know God forbid suicide, the the patients are the ones directly impacted by that. You know, I just recently had a colleague who retired after 25 years just because of a various number of reasons including covid well that's 15 more years that patients are not going to be like treated for you know and on this this person that has a lot of experience in things and so that's unmeasurable you know yeah it is when you think 25 years you're like oh that's a long time and you're like no not really not, not really. really. I mean, <laughs> not a, not for a surgeon uh, and not for a doctor who could be doing it, like you said, to your 65, 70, if you like what you're doing. That's a lot of patients that can miss out. Exactly. 20 more years of about, you know, 150 to 200 patients a year. That's that's thousands of patients that this particular individual could have helped. And we're not even talking about nursing and, and other sort of healthcare workers. So then what are we looking at as far as... Um, prevention or I guess let's step back families if you're on call all the time you got a husband a wife at home you got kids you're trying to not just always work all the time you probably already were getting yelled at for not being at home enough to begin with and then now you have this what's happening there do you have any insights yeah I mean insights uh, you know is to take a pause I think and realize what's going on I think that would be my my biggest advice um, because not everyone has this ability and that's also in the culture how we're trained to make the differentiation between work and home right and to some extent it's important to be able to talk about these things at home but when it becomes just one that makes it very hard to survive you know for both yourself and the family which hears about things in the house so you're constantly in this sort of high alert state I think some some individuals that have this ability to have a balanced home life, and, and sort of take, took the uh, work as a part of it and not all of it, were perhaps in a better state to deal with the consequences of being, you know, of work taking so much place with the pandemic. And, and I think now at this point, the ones that have been able to do that perhaps have a better way to sort of cope with this prolonged now, you know, pandemic. Uh, where I feel like where, where there's a problem is it's constantly bringing things home where where your state of mind now is directly impacting your kids, your family and things. And I've seen I mean, there's a and that's also published things. There's high rate of divorces. There's high rate of addictions, whether it's alcohol and things uh, within the pandemic in healthcare workers. And, and I just and I assume part of that is because of that. So taking a pause, I think, is is important, recognizing that. Uh, that's part of the issue and, and, and recognizing yourself, but also having the hospitals and departments act upon it and, and realize that that's a part of their longevity program. Right. So making sure that people are are balanced in some way. But uh, but unfortunately, that sort of balances out the resources and the need for the patients and things like that. So it's always more of a conceptual concept than something that's hard to sort of apply on. But hopeful that 
you know, part of the book, part of the message here will be will be heard, and then some some places, uh, other places that start to do, will will put in a focus on that, you know, because if you're not happy at home. That's another saying in one of my mentors: you can't be happy at work if home's all in shambles, you know. Are you allowed if you're not on call, but something happens and they need you? No, I'm I'm at the zoo with my family for the first time in 25 days. Like this person just is gonna have to die. Like I'm not going. Like can you ever do that? Like mentally or legally or like what happens in those types of situations? I mean I'm not just saying for heart, but you know an ortho or something like that. I mean hey, he's gonna lose his leg if you don't come. Right. Well I guess he's gonna lose a leg. Uh, yeah, technically as a guy on call, but you know the reality is oftentimes you get pulled away from family obligations obligations altogether. Uh, I've had to fly back to from vacations. I've had to cut dinner shorts because my pager was going off, not being on call or being the one supposed to be called. Sometimes the person that's on call is busy doing something else. And so uh, so you sort of have two tragedies at once. Yeah, well, yeah, it does happen. <laughs> There's a lot of suffering yeah. out there. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you do have to do that. And then, you know, what happens is you so slowly chip away a little bit of it every time you, you think you get back to where you were before with yourself or with your family, but the reality is you don't. And so what happens is gradually you're sort of in that downward slope where every time you, you, you get up and go, every time you cancel family vacation, every time you, you, you go back, you do have to, you do have to realize that that hasn't direct impact on your work-life balance mm. and on your family. So uh, while duty calls, uh, I guess, you know, I'm not answering your question. No, you but are. While duty calls, you sort of have to sometimes maybe pounder, you know. So I'll tell you why I asked. People who are like students or thinking about who maybe catch this podcast and are thinking about becoming doctors or, you know, the type of doctors that would be on call, like when you'd have to miss family. You need to consider that. Do you want a family? Do you yeah. need a family? Are you okay with always maybe having to go to work and doing these things? Because if that's not something you want to do with your life, then you're really going to have to pick a different type of specialty where you don't have that situation, I would think. Because that's a real part of life. Part of, the, of what we do, that's why I think, you know, for departments and hospital, hiring more people, you know, to do the work, hiring good people, being able to translate the, the ability to do a certain type of mm -hmm. things, you know. You know, it was historically a lot of surgeons, you know, were living that life you're describing, right? To say, I'm the one, I, this is what I do. I always have to put this first. Uh, but then there was not as much maybe passage of information or passage of training. I think, you know, being able to delegate and help others bring your bring their skills up so you do have a life a little bit is probably the solution. But like you said, realistically, there are specialties that perhaps don't have as much, you know, uh, commitment from a life standpoint. Yeah. I know, you know, things that are similar to us, neurosurgery, heart surgery, you sort of have to go and, and help. There are other specialties. Be a podiatrist, be a doctor, physical therapy, chiropractor. You know, there's not that many emergencies <laughs> after people, hours. You got a headache. All right. Well. Yeah, although, you know, remember that Seinfeld episode with dermatologists, you know, there's a... Are you a real doctor? The, the cancer exists too, right? <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, so, you know, uh, it's it's a life choice you make, but in any specialties, if you give yourself all in, you can get called all the time, you know? So it's a matter of balancing that sort of uh, ability to live a balanced life, I think. Kind of the closing couple of questions. You're at the hospital or a clinic or something, and you're noticing that a lot of your coworkers are having some of the problems that you're talking about, 
is there a way for them to go to HR or whatever and management and talk about, look, we need to have some kind of group therapy or have access to be able to go and talk to somebody for 30 minutes a, a week because it's getting out of control? What can we do to, to help ourselves? There are some systems, you know, there's physician helplines, there's programs you can attempt to. Of course, the hospital sort of system is always there to help you if you need to. The problem, I think, is creating a community between us where you feel like you can either prevent or speak up about these things without a fear of retaliation. Because un unfortunately, it doesn't happen all the time, but you feel like by speaking up about burnout or depression or feeling this and I'm exhausted or I have a significant issue, you feel that that's what affect your professional life. So oftentimes people wait to consult or to go to the formal process that the hospital have in order not to, I wouldn't say retaliation, but in order not to affect their career. And I think that while the system is there to help, it tends to answer an acute problem when people have obviously a manic episode or sort of are really losing this sort of issue. Then they have people to help acutely, but the problem has been there for a while. So establishing systems, I think that are pro progressively or continuously sort of helping people uh, create a community where people feel like they can speak up Whether I know in the recent place I was, we created like a meditation afternoon, every Friday yoga. We sort of create this ability of people to, to speak about issues and, and a bit sort of uh, de-escalate things when they're there because you tend to sort of perseverate a little bit. So being more proactive about it, but there are systems out there. Uh, we are trying to, to create a community of, of sort of like-minded people that uh, want to help and want to create a space for people to speak up. And so hopefully it, we need a bit more of that in this sort of movement or pandemic sort of time, you know. Have you set up anything like a web page for your book or for some of this outreach that you're referring to? Yeah. So uh, healthcareanonymous.com, uh, find the book. You can find the blog. You can find it's not up yet, <laughs> not as of today, but uh, I know you're sort of typing and things. But yeah, healthcareanonymous.com, we uh, will have a blog. We have a Facebook page. We, we also were I also have a podcast every week uh, to talk about all things healthcare related. Um, and with the book, you get access to community. You get a working, you know, workbook to as a path to sort of recovery. So, I mean, we're at, at a small level with all the humility, humility in the world. We're trying to create a movement to help people. Within the book, there are some personal stories of a lot of people that have gone through things and, and got sort of on the other side. And there's sort of these practical tips for both the physicians or the healthcare workers and the hospitals to sort of increase the awareness about about health, mental health illness and maybe start a path to recovery. Kudos to you. It's not easy to write a book, especially with this magnitude of an impact that it can have on a healthcare system, even if it's just one hospital or one big clinic that would take it and, and utilize what's written in there. You know what I mean? Work through it. Let's go through it together. They could change all the lives in that place, the patients, the community. So, you know, it doesn't have to be the biggest world thing, but if you can, you know, the small pockets and then things change and then things grow. So I really uh, hope that this works for you. Yeah, I feel like, the, I mean, whether it works for me or not, it was an open heart, different type of open heart process <laughs> uh, work. But it also, I think if we can, if, it, if we go back and start, you know, the process even sooner in medical training or nursing training, to increase awareness about this, maybe also tailor people's personalities, whether you're a nurse or a doctor, 
to go to different directions depending on what you want to add a life and, and sort of on objectives you want to accomplish as, as opposed to sort of, for me, going to the most prestigious, you know, profession, you know, in the <laughs> world uh, that I could get in, you know. <laughs> You know, and, and, and I love what I do, don't get me wrong, but my personality was directly sort of uh, catapulted to heart surgery. And, and I feel like perhaps uh, maybe in training, if I would have been exposed to different things, it would have been a better fit. I you know. And so uh, so maybe even sooner in training, trying to uh, assess the importance of a healthy mind, you know, as a doctor uh, at, in order to optimize patient care. Yeah, very good. Well, Dr. Simon, this was great. I, I really appreciate your time to be on the show and to share your message because this is stuff that uh, I've talked about a little bit in different aspects uh, for, for burnout and different things. So it's really good to hear another viewpoint and hit this topic again in a different light where it's a community based. Uh, so I really appreciate your time today. Justin, thank you for the invitation and um, uh, thank you for what you do for our community as well. Another great interview has ended. While you're on your phone, click that review button. Write up a nice review for me. Five stars if you could. As everyone says in the industry, it'll help other people to find us when we have enough rankings. Not to mention, I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you're looking for one sheets, if you're looking for all the books that people have recommended, you can just go to a doctorsperspective.net slash guide. And that's going to give you everything you need to know. The top Episodes of 2017 and 2018, the podiatry series, dentist, acupuncture series, holiday 2017, financial series, how to write a review, how to support the show, like buying a cup of coffee, getting swag, like t-shirts, the Today's Choices Tomorrow's Health book, that's the blueprints for better health, exercise, picking food correctly, and financial, and then of course, bundle packs, which can get you the no needle acupuncture book, 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pin at a great deal. Page has some of the products that I like. It's a affiliate style. So if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. Just like on the show notes pages, if you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well. So I really appreciate that. Things like Screencast-O-Matic, PureVPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, Prolone Edge or Hawk Grips, the trilingual coloring book is now five languages, English, Spanish, Chinese, German, and French. So pick one up for your own kids, your nieces and nephews, and also for your office so these kids have something to do. Again, that all-encompassing one link is adoctorsperspective.net slash guide, G-U-I-D-E. Uh, once again, if you do need any coaching on how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight, and the Prolone Diet, Fast Mimicking Diet, five-day plan. Let me know as well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc. Reach out. Facebook, Justin Trosclair, MCC. Of course, at a doctorsperspective.net on the top right, you got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini-sodes. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week.
Sit down.